You're listening to Church Unplugged, the podcast of Christ Community Chapel. In each episode, we discuss topics or questions that are related to our faith in Jesus and how it plays out in our everyday lives. In this episode, we're going to discuss the question, why do we pray? Prayer is something that every Christian does, but sometimes can be hard to understand exactly how it works, and it can be at times somewhat mysterious. And so this episode, we're going to talk about how prayer works, why we should do it, how we should do it, and what exactly it accomplishes. So welcome in to Church Unplugged. Hey, welcome into Church Unplugged. I'm Jimmy Cozy, part of the leadership team here at Christ Community Chapel. I've got Zach Wyrock, the director of Orchard NEO, Joe Coffey, our lead pastor, and then Todd Ionetta, another person on our leadership team. Today, we are talking about the question, why do we pray? So as Christians, we talk about prayer all the time. People pray for other people. We have prayer meetings. We do all kinds of stuff related to prayer. But uh, sometimes it's interesting to think about what exactly does prayer accomplish. And so that's what we're going to talk about today. Guys, where should we start? Well, let me... Uh... Let me change that sentence some, because usually when people say, uh, why pray, uh, if I said, uh, why talk to God at all? I mean, prayer is talking to God. A lot of times when people say, why pray, they're saying, why ask God for stuff, hmm. right? So let's start with- Enlarging our definition. Yeah, why do we talk to God, period? Yeah, that's good. And the first part is, that, is relationship. So, yeah. I mean, you talk because you want to- uh, to develop a relationship with someone. So that if the primary reason that I pray is that I might get to know God, um, then that's a good enough reason to pray. Now, if the primary reason I pray is to get God to give me stuff, well, that changes huh, the dynamic good. some. That's good. I don't know whether to respond to that or just sit and think about it for a second. <laughs> but yeah, no, I think that's true. I, I think the other piece of that, of of the prayer question that is also true is that uh, we are desiring to get to know God in prayer. Like when we pray, Joe said, we're, we're seeking relationship, which also means there's also an aspect of prayer that affects me, right? As I get to know, so is even for me, you know, 13 years into marriage, as I go on a date with my wife and I ask her questions about how she's feeling or how she's, I'm not just learning about her, I'm being affected by what I know about her. I'm adjusting who I am and what I do right. in response to her. So prayer also has, I think John Calvin said, prayer changes, you know, prayer is designed to change us, not to change God. And I think his point there is what Joe's saying is as you seek relationship with someone, you are forced to either reject them or to bend to them and right. who they are. And so I think a, a major aspect of prayer is, is seeking relationship with God and being affected by him in that way. Let me ask you guys this. Uh, how is your prayer life? What, what do you do when you pray? What are, I mean, do you pray? I, I usually spend time in the morning praying. And there are times when, uh, like Zach just uh, compared it to his relationship with Amy, um, my relationship with God is I've learned to uh, equate it or compare it like my relationship with my wife, where there are times where God and I just sit there with each other for a while in the morning because I don't have anything to say and I wait. And there's something about just being in his presence, looking forward to being with him uh, at the same time every day. And I go to the same place every day. Um, so what's prayer like for you guys? I would say what's natural for me if I'm not intentional is I start right with me and I start praying stuff like, this is how I'm feeling. This is where I'm at today. I don't know that that's a, that's a wrong way to pray, but it, it 
convicts me every time I do that. So I try to be intentional about starting with what I know to be true about God, uh, because that because typically when I start with me, I, especially when I wake up in the morning real early, is I could be tired. You know, I can start almost borderline complaining. So I try to turn it completely over and say, this is what I know about God. You're faithful. You never change. You know, all of those things. And then out of that, I think I can, I, I have a different posture uh, to my prayer where I'm a little bit more thankful uh, as a result. So that's where I start. Yeah, I, mine, I've kind of been, you know, this is something I think I've been thinking about a lot just lately, even over the last couple of years of my life in terms of what does it look like to have a relationship and intimacy with the God of the universe? Because, I mean, you guys know me, but uh, for those who may not interact with me a lot, I'm actually not a highly relational person. And so most of my interpersonal communication is short, sweet, direct, and ends awkwardly. And I would say that... <laughs> It's short. It's not sweet. It's short. <laughs> it's yeah. yeah. Okay. Well, okay. I would say that <laughs> the last part is right, though. <laughs> yeah, it is. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's getting awkward now. So yeah. <laughs> yeah, I would say that that in some ways I've started to see my prayer life head in the same direction. In that, you know, I used to when I was younger, I used to feel like like I would sit down to pray and I would start praying and I would pray and I feel like I would have the the right motives, the right mindset, and I'd finish my prayer and I would look down and I'd be like, okay, it's been. 48 seconds. And I'm, thinking, <laughs> right. and, and I'm feeling this sort of desire, like I should be praying more. And then I'm like, well, what am I going to say? I don't know what I'm going to say because I feel like we've covered everything. And do I, am I just going to sit here and keep praying just because of an obligation? Not, not that I feel like God wants me to pray more, but just because I feel like as a pastor and as a Christian, I should be praying for longer than 48 seconds. And so I've started to see prayer much more as like intimacy with God than the concentrated specific times of where I sit down and say, begin okay, prayer, I'm going to begin prayer. my prayer. Amen. We are no right. longer in communication. I feel like it's a lot more sporadic. And, you know, I, I have times where I look into God's word and I sit down and I read what he has to say. And and I'm, there might be a prayer on either end of that or sometime in the middle, but um, it's not as rigid for me. I don't feel like it's yeah, much some more of my, sporadic. Some of my best times of prayer are in the car. Um where I'm just quiet and I just start and I just start talking to God out loud because when I'm in the car I'm I'm always thinking about whatever's next especially in ministry because you're always going somewhere to do something that you need more power than you have in and of yourself and so I'm I, I like that idea of like the the constant communication that he's always available because that's what I find the most effective. Yeah, I think uh that is my typical nature with prayer is a running dialogue that, you know, in the shower, in the car, in the office, uh, sometimes out loud, sometimes not out loud. Uh, but I think where I've been trying to go recently is to kind of blend the two, like what Joe is saying about space and dedicated space and dedicated time and what you guys are saying and saying that I realize there are there are parts of my day that I fill with noise that don't have to have noise. Like I think the car is a good example where the tendency is to throw on music, throw on a podcast, uh, throw on... Uh, sports radio, whatever, and saying, "Boy, this is this is dedicated time I can spend with the Lord if if I choose to do that." Now, if you are in the car right now and listening to this yeah, don't podcast, stop this no, yeah, yeah, you can keep clearly listening. Clearly not this one, clearly. <laughs> yeah. wait, but I, but I just wonder, like, I think I'm like a lot of people. I would say, you know, my wife and I, we have five kids. Uh, I, you know, I, I have a pretty healthy work schedule, so it can be tempting to say I don't have time to pray. But realizing, but there's all these moments in my life that I'm filling with noise. Uh, that wouldn't even cost me anything to eliminate the noise 
and just seek the Lord in. Um, and, you know, again, that's not a sum total. That'd be a beginning point, but just challenging uh, people to maybe try to look at their lives and say, but where can I find time that really is free? I, I just, I'm not thinking to fill that time with space. Uh, yeah. All right. All right. Now let's go ahead and, and ask the question uh, about asking God for stuff. If God knows everything, I mean, it's, it's you know. That's the hard part. Yeah. Yeah. So, so here's my question first is, uh, all of us ask God for different things. So what are the things that you ask? How do you ask God for stuff? Like me personally? Either for yourself or, or like for me, uh, what I've started to do is um, because uh, my, it's going to sound weird, um, my respect for God has grown so much that that sounds awful. I mean, um, it, it's more than than respect. My uh, reverence for God. Okay, there's a more religious word. Um, has grown so much. I usually will bring things to him and just say, "This is an issue that's going on either in my life or in somebody's life that I know about, and I'm giving it to you. Uh, do what you do. Be- do what you do." You know, this is, a, it's up to you. And, uh, you know, we were talking before we started that, that God, or maybe Zach mentioned it already, is um, God uses prayer to change us. There are times when I'm praying for someone and I'll feel like uh, God prompting me to say, okay, you, this is on you. This is what you are supposed to do with this person, for this person, or in this situation. So... Yeah, I think for me, the, the gospel is really helpful here because it tells me that God loves me and that there is uh, nothing he wouldn't leverage uh, for me, not not just me as a person, but me as part of the church, that the very best that God has, his son, you know, he he gave for me. I mean, Paul says in Romans 8, if he'll give us Jesus, what, what will he not give right. us? And so I think I'm pretty bold in asking God for stuff and just saying like, you know, uh, hey, God, you know, this is even... Stuff like, oh, we have a leak in our, you know, in our pipe or whatever, and I don't know if I have the money to fix it. So if there could be some way we could get it fixed and it would be cheap, if it could fix itself, if we could, like, I don't have any shame in asking God for that. Um, I think because one is I know he's already given me the best, right? Uh, it'd be like saying, if you'll let me borrow your car, then I can ask you for a stick of gum. <laughs> you know, it's right. like the math adds up. Uh, shout out to Jimmy. The math adds up uh, in that way. But also saying that I know... Um, now, wait, do you think that God does stuff simply because you ask him? Or was he, would, well, he, have done, would, would he have done stuff anyway? I, I, think he, I think he would have uh, done it. I think he would have done it anyways, but I think prayer is, the, I think a little bit that question is uh, not, not a real question because the means through which God chooses to work often is prayer. So if you say, well, God, would God have done it anyways if I hadn't prayed? Uh, well, I think God ordained the means of him doing that being prayer, right. that that is why God tells us to pray, because he chooses to work through the prayer of, of his people. So you, you, would, you would have prayed. But I think sometimes we do drive too hard of a wedge. Like Martin Luther said it this way. I lo- I've always loved this example. He says, uh, people pray. The Lord tells us, pray for your daily bread. He says, people pray that. And he says, but what, what they don't realize is the answer to that prayer begins at four o'clock the next morning when a little girl on a dairy farm gets up and she goes to milk a cow. She puts it in the bucket. 
And then that milk gets taken from the bucket and it gets put in jars. And the jars get put on the cart and the cart drives into town. And next thing you know, you go to your door and the Lord has answered your prayer. And he's answered your prayer through the milk jug on your doorstep that began with a little girl. And he said, so if you said, well, would God have done it without the little girl? Luther says, that's a dumb question. Like he did it and he did it through the little girl. And I I think that's how I, I view it is that I can ask God for whatever and that God works in and through my prayers. But the gospel also helps me on the back end because if God says, you know what? No, you're going to. You're going to pay the full price for that pipe, and it's going to, uh, I know that's not because he doesn't love me. Right. And that his wrath has been exhausted on me, and that isn't because somehow I've I've grieved him, and now he's pouring, you know, now he's bitter towards me. I think that's really helpful. So the gospel frees us to pray bold prayers. God loves us. He'll give us whatever, but it also helps me on the back end to say, if he withholds, it's for my good. And that's what, that's kind of the, I think there's two things I pray for when I want something. I pray for exactly what I want. And then I, I pray that God would use whatever the answer is, that God would use it to deepen either whether it's my faith or the person's faith that I'm praying for, but to deepen the, our understanding of the gospel. And so I think because I think he can do that. He doesn't, when the answer is not what we want, he never wastes, he doesn't ever seem to waste that. Um, he uses it for his glory in some way. So sometimes it seems like a cop-out, but it it, w- w- when you pray with the gospel understanding, you just you can trust that that's true. Yeah, John Newton, I think, uh, is the one who said um, everything that God provides, no, everything is needed that God provides, and nothing is needed that He withholds. Uh, and that's part of the the whole love of God. Um, I like the idea that uh, the prayers are answered, or uh, that it's God's ordained way of doing things, because part of what prayer does is it reminds me that God is active in our world, in my world. It reminds me of the love of God. Um, so I think that's that's a really, really good thing. What's interesting to me is how often and how quickly I forget answered prayers, which yeah. is a travesty. Yeah. I mean, there. if we go back, if I go yeah. back in my life and I begin to try to, to map out all the times that God has answered prayer... Um, there would be tons, and that's why I think Scripture over and over again in the Old Testament, they'll say, uh, the prophets will say, "Remember this, remember this, remember this," and because people, we forget, we yeah. forget. It's so interesting. I think the formula for moving forward in faith in the Bible is looking backwards always. Like right. you see Israel do this over and over again. If God can get us out of Egypt, then He can do this. If God can split the Red Sea, He can do this. If God can drop bread from heaven, He can do this. I think the Israelites put an emphasis on telling the generation, the next generation, all the things that God did. I just experienced this in my family when we told the kids about leaving City Church and leaving Cleveland to come to Hudson and come to CCC. We we took out a piece of paper and we timelined the story of our family. And we plotted out all these things that God had done. And I told my kids down at the bottom of the timeline, there was some big new news I was going to give them. But before we got there, I wanted them to see all that God had done. So we plotted out all these things, big things, little things, medium-sized things. And then at the end, I said, before we got to the new news, I said, let's just look at this timeline and, and what do you see? And it was amazing to hear the kids say things like, man, God really loves our family. One kid said, you know, God asks us to do big things but he always comes through for us. I mean, you just see them, these faith-building observations that they're making, that they're drawing, so that then when I say, okay, here's the new news, like we're moving and we're, you know, we're, we're not going to be at City Church anymore, we're going to be at CCC. And, and I asked them, how do you feel about that? And of course, they say, I'm going to miss my friends, I'm gonna, you know, all that. But they also said, it seems like this is the kind of thing God has our family do. Like for them, even at a young age, the faith to move forward 
was derived from looking backwards. And obviously, ultimately, we look backwards to the cross, to the resurrection of Jesus and God's faithfulness there. But uh, but I think we need to do a better job of telling each other the stories of God's faithfulness. I think they're faith-building. Our stories, our individuals, our corporate stories, our stories together. And didn't one of your daughters say, uh, you know, I, uh, but what am I going to do for friends or something? Didn't she say... Yeah. Didn't this sound like an opportunity? Yeah. I forgot yeah, to come to, through. To start praying. Right. Yeah. And, and yeah, because saying to them that this big new news isn't the end of the timeline. <laughs> like right. the family timeline keeps moving, right? And we're going to have new stories and we're going to have new examples of God's faithfulness. But to piggyback on something you said, Todd, about even when God gives a no, like I go back to the garden all the time in my own personal devotional life where Jesus asks God and God gives him a no. Right. And I just tell myself a no doesn't mean God doesn't love you. Because that's his son. I mean, that's the one that, like, when he got baptized, the heavens opened and he said, this is my son in whom I am well pleased, right? That's the same one who gets a no. So if I get a no, it isn't because. And that's the whole breakdown of prosperity theology, because Jesus got told no. And so many no's are the very best thing, looking back on it, right? We we all have different things where you think, if I could have had the power, if God had said yes to me at every time I asked for something, that would not be loving. Any more loving than than me saying yes, or you guys who have young kids, you saying yes to everything your two-year-old wants. In in time, that would be a a horrible thing. We would need a lot of Skittles. It would show show your child that that you do not love them, that you do not want what's best for them. Yeah, I always tell people to imagine, go back to when you were in sixth grade and the girl or the guy that you were in love with, you you know, that you just thought, God, if you could just please, like if they could be my boy for a girlfriend, and now you get on Facebook and you think, God, thank you for telling me no, <laughs> right? Thank you. And saying, if you could get that that wrong, isn't it possible that the current thing you're praying for, you, you, you've also gotten wrong? Like, we we are often wrong. I remember seeing a YouTube uh, video of an atheist holding a milk jug up. I don't know if you ever saw that. He was saying, this is a milk jug. This is my milk jug God. Uh, he answers prayer the same way the Christian God does, yes, no, or maybe. Like, and I thought... Uh, you're an idiot. I mean, it, it, it frustrated me because that, that's the yes, no, or maybe is the answer to every request for everyone, no matter who you make the request of. The answers to those requ- is, is dependent on how much you love the person who's asking. And, uh, and no one loves us more than God. So, of course, he's going to say yes, no, or wait on a request that we make. But Yeah, even just like hearing stories of people who have battled cancer when their prayer going into that diagnosis is like, please let this not be cancer. It is cancer. It's not what they wanted. But then to hear somebody after the fact go, I would not change anything oh, wow. yeah. because I was so much closer to God than I've ever been. That is just one of the most, that's amazing. Yeah. And I, I think too, like if you're struggling through praying for something, I, I think like the best advice I can give you is that is that if God never does another thing for you, if you get no's on everything from now until the day you die, if God never does another thing for you, he's already done enough. Like he has shown he loves you, that he loves you forever, that he couldn't love you more. And again, that emboldens me to pray, but it also emboldens me to get a no, right? Like if God never, if God tells me no every single time, he's already proven that, that he loves me. I mean, I, I think in some ways that's the message of the book of Job because Job wonders, does God care? Like, does God care? And in the in the book kind of just ends with God saying, like, you're not me. You don't understand. It, it ends in an incomplete way. But I think it points us to Jesus because Jesus solves Job's existential crisis. 
because Jesus gives us a fixed point to look at that tells us no matter what we get, yes, no, or maybe, unlike a milk jug, God has already proven he loves us in Christ. So to kind of finish, one of the questions I thought it might be good to ask is, uh, what would you say to the person who is experiencing right now kind of the silence of God? And so you're praying for something or about something, and there's something going on in your life, and it just feels like either God is not answering at all, or he's not present, or he just doesn't care, or you just don't know. You're not getting any feedback. How how should we navigate that? Because I think that's an experience that probably all of us have at one point or another, where we're seeking him, and it's like, I don't know if I'm hearing from you. I can't hear you. Where are you? Well, I, would, I mean, there there's the dark night of the soul that an awful lot of mystics talk about with God, where it does seem like he is not answering. Even in this altar. Right. Yeah. But I would go back to what Zach said, is to say, is to remind myself what is true. And what is true is that uh, God did not withhold his only son and has already done more than um, than he needs to for me to prove that he loves me. Yeah, I was going to say too, one, whenever you're in a dry spot where you just don't feel like God's doing anything or you don't you don't hear his voice... I think a good question to ask anybody is like, are you spending time in God's word? Because that's the way he speaks primarily. And then are you surrounding yourself with people who know God that can speak into your life? Because if, if those two things aren't true, there's a good chance at some point you're going to dry up. Right. You, you, you're not going to hear. Well, part of so. what happens too in, in the dark night of the soul and times when you're dry is that your roots can go deeper, right? That's what those these mystics would say that at the end of that, what happened is that their roots, they they moved deeper into God and uh, in crying out for him. And so instead of it always, you know, being lush and raining, that doesn't necessarily make for deeper roots. Yeah. I think I'd say a couple of things. Uh, I think what you guys have said is great. So I'll just add like a quick thing to that, which is to say that when we, when we talk about God, God is never silent. God created the world by speaking. If God were silent, there wouldn't be a universe. God has consistently spoken throughout human history, and it's recorded in the scriptures. So even if you're like, God is silent, God is never silent. He may not want to talk about what you want to talk about, but that's not the same thing as being silent. And I think lean into where God has spoken hear his voice there so that you know he's not silent. But if God were silent, the universe would rip apart at the seams. Right. Like he upholds the universe. Jesus is the word of God, right? John 1, 1, in the beginning was the word, the word was with God, and the word was God. Like ever since Jesus, not only is God not silent, but his word is accessible to us. And so where you feel silence, that just means God doesn't want to talk about what you want to talk about. But the second thing I'd say is when someone is not speaking to me, like let me give you an example. If I call my wife and she doesn't answer, in a healthy marriage, you don't jump to any conclusions, right? You'll say, why isn't she answering? Who's she with? What's she doing? You just say, I know my wife. She loves me. She must be busy, <laughs> right? And if you were with somebody and they freaked out because they called their wife one time, they'd answer you. would say, wow, that's, there's some trust issues. And I would say, if you're struggling with the silence of God in a particular topic, your problem is not God's silence. It's that you don't trust him. Because when you love someone and you trust someone, the fact that you can't get them on any given moment, on any given topic only rattles you if you think you can't trust them. So if I call my wife, she doesn't answer. If I trust her, no problem. I'll call back later. If I go to the Lord and he doesn't give me an answer, if I trust him, that's okay. And again, I, I, just to 
kind of bang the drum again, my third point would be when Jesus was on the cross, he says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And he doesn't get an answer. Like Jesus shows me that the silence of God is not equivalent with the fact that God doesn't love me, right? Because God loves the son, the father loves the son, and yet he got silence. And so that means that the silence of God doesn't equate to the the lovelessness of God, and I need to trust that. Again, that's why the gospel is so important. Like knowing it, feeling it, hiding in your heart is to say, if Jesus can get silence and God still loves him, then so can I. You've been listening to Church Unplugged, and one of the things we want to continue to do is make the connection between our faith in Jesus and our everyday lives. So if you have a question or topic that you'd like to hear discussed, feel free to email us at churchunplugged at ccchapel.com. And if you want more information about Christ Community Chapel, our church, you can go to our website, which is www.ccchapel.com. Thanks for listening.